This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. And welcome back to the Church Society podcast. I'm Lee Gatiss, the Director of Church Society, and I'm joined today by Tony Cannon, who's our Regional Director in the South and East, and George Crowder, who is our Regional Director in the North, and also the author of our brand new book, Reforming Church, How God is at Work in Revitalization Ministry. The book itself tells me that Reforming Church is about revitalizing churches in the Church of England. It's apparently, George, is this true? Written with insight, humor and depth of experience. I see you're smiling. Uh, It gives the highs and lows of revitalization ministry as well as sage advice about bringing a church ministry to life. So this sounds great. Wonderful book. It's a a lovely uh, book to look at. George, tell us a little bit about the origin of this book, Reforming Church, that you have written and produced for us. Thanks, Lee. Uh, Thanks for being so kind. I don't know about sage advice, but certainly (laughs) um, I've sought to reflect carefully on my own experience. And that, that really is the origin of of for writing the book for the purpose of it is that I, this is this is my own experience my own calling um which i stumbled into and um i guess like many revitalizers at the beginning made it up as i went along <laughs> and thought i was on my own in it I, I found out that's not the case and that there are lots of other people god has called to this ministry uh, and my own experience has not been an easy experience, uh, and I wanted to share that. But it's also been an experience where I've seen God at work. Um, and as I have um, sought to uh, minister in a church that uh, needed revitalization, and there are different kinds of churches for revitalization. In my particular, it was a non-evangelical church. Um, it was a single church benefice. Um, uh, my experience of that, I wanted to reflect on it well, and I've talked to other people about it, and I wanted to share what I'd learned from them too, in the hope that more of this would happen, and more of it is happening, and in seeing more of it happening to share my experience and share my reflections and share the reflections of others for an encouragement to other people in it, because it is difficult ministry. Yeah, why is it so difficult, particularly at the moment, to be involved in revitalising a church which is um, or seemingly dead or slumbering or something like that? Why why is that so difficult right now? Uh, Well, it would be difficult anyway, uh, in that if you're trying to bring a biblical ministry to a church that's not had that or where it's died in some way, uh, where where you're low on resources or, or or things aren't right, that's going to be difficult anyway. You're going to have some battles, uh, but it's even more difficult now because uh, the Church of England has been on a trajectory that is away from orthodoxy and even more so right now. And to invest my ministry or uh, to invest someone's ministry in a church that 
has not had orthodox teaching, has not had an orthodox position, where it's going to take a long time to introduce that. Mm. Well, that seems crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> why why would you bother doing that? It seems very counterintuitive. Surely we should be simply trying to protect what we have, not put ourselves in, in, in a situation where it's quite risky and where people might not be with us uh, on the, the teachings that we hold to and where it's going to take a long time to help people to to understand the Bible and to be committed to the truth of the Bible. Why would you do that? And that's why it's more difficult. It's 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 more risky, and um, we we are in a situation where doctrinally, uh, our Church of England is 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 in a different trajectory. And and uh, the question is, why would you bother with that? And it's a question I I, I started with. When, yes. When, when I was right. Yeah, the beginning of the book starts with why bother when the Church of England itself seems like a sinking ship uh, yeah. much of the time. That's right. Of course, most of it isn't. Um, but some of the leading um, proponents uh, in the national church would like it to sink in uh, in doctrinal terms. Tony, uh, let me bring you in at, the, at this point, our regional mm. director for the South. Um, what, what help is there apart from obviously buying this terrific book, Reforming Church by George Crowder? Um what help would there be for people in this kind of revitalization ministry? You and George are involved in something which is helpful. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, Lee, well, only shortly after I took on this part-time role working with you guys in church society, we had a staff meeting on Zoom. And I can well remember um, George saying, um, I've just suddenly realised talking with vicars in my area, conservative evangelicals, I've just suddenly twigged a whole lot of them have recently gone to be vicar in a church that's never been used to a evangelical Bible-based ministry. And George said to myself and to Chris Moore, the other two re regional directors, is it the same in your area? Well, we both looked very panicked on Zoom and said, haven't got a clue. Wonder how we find out. So we put on a webinar, we just advertised it to see basically if it was the case that this was happening. And we were astonished how many particularly vicars, we didn't just, it wasn't just for vicars, but particularly vicars came who had by and large within the previous four to five years been called by God to go to a particularly difficult parish, which wasn't used to a Bible-based ministry. So that's how it started um, in a kind of clueless, gradually twigging that God was doing something. It was a movement of the spirit. And so slowly we started talking to these guys and saying, how do you feel? Are you supported? And the answer by and large was no. Anything from the sort of central church, the diocese, wasn't much help to them. But even the kind of conferences and support networks um, amongst evangelicals and conservative evangelicals in particular often didn't feel relevant to them because the issues that um, ministers of reasonably large or middle-sized um, long-term evangelical parishes the issues these guys were facing were very, very different, very different. So we started trying to um, pull together a bi-monthly webinar where um, George would do a talk, a Bible-based talk, but around an area of ministry that was particularly uh, interesting or difficult when the church was needing revitalization. Um, and then we had interviews with different people doing things, and, and it's evolved. So now for probably best part of three years, I think, We've been doing, doing bi-monthly webinars on Zoom. Um, we've also been producing a, a bi-monthly newsletter. And we set up a WhatsApp group for these guys to chat to each other. 
that's been really helpful, really helpful. Um, and um, just watching it and monitoring it has been fascinating. They've got people in situations like their own now that they can uh, pray with, pray for, um, ask questions of. The number of times on WhatsApp, the message begins with, oh, my goodness me, you won't believe what's happened. Never happened before. Has anyone ever had this or got any clues? So it's built a real fellowship. Um, and there's now probably about 150 um, vicars across the country in these relatively early stages of revitalizing a church. What is this network called? Oh, well, we call it Norm. After Norm. Uncle Norman, who worked with my dad on the steam trains many years ago. Um, but it also coincidentally stands for the network of revitalization ministries. Very clever. There's some big brains in church starting. <laughs> so we call it Norm as a revitalization ministry. And there's also some mentoring that goes on as well, isn't there? Within oh, that, yeah. uh, some of the older people, people who've done revitalization, seen it work over many years, helping those earlier on. Yeah, we still have a number of. Uh, we've offered this to to the guys in these situations, particularly those in the in the younger years of revitalization ministry. Usually, their first role as a vicar after they've done a training curacy post, um, and and probably about ten who we've managed to link up with more experienced grey vicars <laughs> just to talk and work yeah. things through and pray with. Wonderful. So obviously some of the material or much of the material in this uh, brand new book, Reforming Church by George Crowder, has uh, come out of that that norm webinar uh, that you've been doing. George, tell us a little bit about how the book is structured. Oh, thank you, Lee. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to write it up and produce it. It doesn't just um, tell a story, though it does tell a story. Uh, and the story I wanted to tell was how God is at work in revitalization so if you if you don't understand what revitalization is like in the nuts and bolts of it and you would like to and you do want you want to see that god is at work uh reforming and renewing the church of england in this extraordinary way then i i wanted to tell that story so that's a thread that runs through the whole of the book and not just my story but the a bigger story of how god is at work in his way uh, so i wanted to reflect biblically on on how God is at work in the different aspects of revitalization ministry, how God is at work uh, bringing uh, faith to life as his word is preached when his word has perhaps never been preached in that way before. Um, so that there's a whole chapter on that, but also a big vision for revitalization. And that's where I start. Uh, and I started with Jeremiah uh, in, in a, under house arrest in the palace of, of Zedekiah with everything lost. And I thought that seems to me how revitalization ministry is in the Church of England. All seems lost. The Babylonians have overtaken all the fields. Why invest in one? Uh, and to have a vision that God never gives up on his people. Uh, this is the God who doesn't give up. Trust in him. And then to see that he's calling people to this extraordinary counterintuitive way of, of bringing the gospel to, to new places. It's it's heartwarming. So I yes. hope that I hope it's a heartwarming story, but not just reflect biblically to show that this is God's heart and and these are God's ways of doing things, but to reflect theologically on on church and mission. If, if God is at work in mission uh, through us and the church is a vehicle for mission, 
uh, that's not just a very mission of the church because it is God's ultimate work in worshiping him uh, but if it is that then then we want to honor that in his way so reflect on that and our task now is evangelism to think about evangelism in a revitalization setting uh, with all the challenges that come there and trusting in God's providence uh, to think about preaching uh, to think about what success looks like uh, I think we have wow. all sorts of wrong ideas about what success yes might look like uh, mm. I, I, and I had inherited a lot of success models which I think are deeply unhelpful and to think biblically and theologically about that in a revitalization context uh, and the simple sort of uh, conclusion I came to is that it does the, is this a story that shows that God God's glory in, in how He works, uh, and and I think it does because if God brings to life a, a fellowship that's been dead or really was dying, that shows His grace and His resurrecting power. It shows what mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's to show His heart. Um, mm -hmm. So that uh, to reflect on what success might be, and then to reflect on some of the nuts and bolts, uh, well, not really nuts and bolts practically, but theologically. Uh, on sacraments, or on leadership, and some of the opportunities that revitalization ministry gives in the Church of England, because it's the Church of England, because of the the way the Church of England liturgy and foundational uh, documents and and and, uh, and formularies work, is a huge opportunity there to to shape a, a, a discipling community uh, and to grow and to be. Uh, a beacon of light in the community it's you know it's the right shape it's covenant shaped is the, the, the way i'd put it so the the formularies the anglican formularies are actually a great help to revitalization ministry you say uh more than a, a help there the, i think the best foundation but uh -huh. it's something that's already there so we, we will when we arrive at a church that hasn't perhaps had a much life about it or much biblical teaching but it's an anglican church there's there's a there's a lot of baggage, maybe traditionalism, ceremonialism, uh, uh, and buildings that are drafty and all that sort of thing. <laughs> but there's also a lot of benefits that that the formularies and the liturgy and the structure of the services that they were being used to uh, are, are all covenantal. They're all based on the truth of the gospel, uh, and, and rather than sort of throw them away they can be the basis for reforming the church and in a, in a, in a, in a beautiful way. So I, I wanted to discuss that. So it's and a really, it's a really practical book. Um, it, it's got some good anecdotes and stories in it of, of things happening. It's about how God is at work in revitalization ministry, but it's fundamentally a theological book as well. So it, it isn't, it isn't just a practical how to sort of pragmatic thing. But a theological, careful, biblical reflection as well, um, with some encouraging stories weaved into it uh, too. What would you say um, is the main lesson that you have learned from being involved in that kind of revitalization ministry? How long have you been doing that? I've been at, at this church for thirteen years. Thirteen years, and what's what do you think is the one big lesson you've learned from from doing that kind of revitalizing ministry over time? I think that it's a work of God, that um, that God doesn't give up on His people, and that God is the revitalizer. God is the great revitalizer, and and I think that's stamped on the narrative of Scripture and of history. That God doesn't give up; He brings new life, uh, and and He's doing that 
is actively doing that and it's encouraging. May I bring to your attention a new book from Church Society called Reforming Church, written by George Crowder. The subtitle, How God is at Work in Revitalization Ministry. So this is a book written about this kind of ministry of revitalizing churches in the Church of England. It's written with insight, with humor and a depth of experience and gives the highs and lows of this kind of ministry, as well as sage advice about bringing a church ministry to life. And... Also, at the end of this book, there's a chapter from Paul Darnington on evangelical ministry in non-evangelical parishes. So I commend this book to you. It's available on the Church Society website. Give it a look and even more, perhaps give it a read. Welcome back. We're we're talking about reforming church, how God is at work in revitalization ministry, uh, a brand new book from Church Society by George Crowder, our regional director uh, in the north. Now, Tony, regional director in the south, who is going to want this book? Well, that's a very good question, isn't it? Um, and I'm still giving George the opportunity to slip me £10 to say nice things about his book. Um, <laughs> I think I'd probably want to say who will actually benefit from this book more than one and I think obviously uh, anyone involved in leading not necessarily as the vicar but in the leadership of a parish church or benefice that is needing revitalization in a significant way because it's never really been used or certainly not in living memory being used to a bible-based orthodox Anglican ministry that has got stuck in just set ceremonies dead religion, all that sort of stuff. Anyone involved in a parish like that will find this really helpful, as indeed have the many who have been attending the webinars and listened to this material live from George over the past two or three years. But I think it's broader than that, because I do think, as George has just intimated, revitalization is what God does. You know, in a real sense, it's what Jesus introduced to Nicodemus's thinking in John chapter 3, you know, you've got to be born again individually. So God is bringing life to dead people. That's the gospel message. And when people get together and God brings life to a group of dead people, um, uh, that is a revitalization ministry. Similarly, when he fans into flames little sparks of Christian life in people or community, that is also revitalization. So I think actually this book is a lot wider than just that very specific, let's call it the norm kind of parish. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd be inclined to say that although it's about revitalization ministry, in the sense that George has been doing for 13 years, and that we are slowly encouraging and supporting others to do, I think there's a lot in it that would apply to almost any Christian in their personal Christian life, the walk with the Lord, but also any Anglican parish because no matter where you are, I'm thinking of the various churches I've um, served in, none of which have quite fitted the absolutely revitalization tag. All of them have had quite a bit of what George talks about within them. And the issues that we've had to address and pray about and seek God's real help um, have been in those parishes too. And even one which had a very long evangelical heritage. Um, needed that. So I think it's quite a bit broader 
And if that isn't worth a tenner from you, George, that's the same <laughs> nothing is. That's great. Thanks, Tony. Now, Tony, let me ask you another question. Um, we know that this has been done, this revitalization ministry. It, it, it does work. It's not pointless and a waste of time. Um, it might feel like that at the beginning when you're first starting out at a new church um, in this sort of situation. But we, we have seen examples, uh, many examples of people who've been in a place 10 or 13 or more years, and the revitalization does seem to have um, worked, for want of a better word. How do we know when revitalization has occurred? You know, How do we know when a church has been revitalized? Yeah, now isn't that an interesting question? And the, the slight danger with going down that road is what George alluded to just now, is these so-called success models. Yeah. You know, if I can tick these six boxes, I've done the job. Um, so it's a, I think it's very much an ongoing process. But I think the kind of things you're going to be looking for is individual people who've been members of the church start to really come alive in their relationship with the Lord. Suddenly they're finding... Um, reading the Bible themselves, exciting and challenging and worthwhile and practical and helpful. Suddenly they're finding that prayer isn't just a say the Lord's Prayer kind of thing twice a day, but is an engaging relationship. So there's that whole sense of um, individuals relationship with the Lord coming more alive. I think also um, thinking about what happens in church in terms of the building and the services and the gatherings, and whether it's on a Sunday or in the week, increasingly they will be driven and led by, determined by what the Bible says. So rather than saying, this is what we always have done, you'll be saying, no, this is what God says in his word we should be doing. So getting the Bible up, up front and central, I think is really key uh, let me just give you a little example in, mm -hmm. in a parish that as i said earlier wasn't really a, a traditional norm parish but i went to it and one of the things that struck me was they were handing a plate round, taking a collection and in god's goodness more and more new people were coming along on sundays and just just rocking up coming in and saying oh what's happening here <laughs> but with no real christian or church background or not much and we were talking about the gospel being God's free gift of grace and kindness to people who don't deserve it. And there's no there's no charge when God offers salvation through the Lord Jesus. Um, and then and here's a plate to put money in. And I can remember a conversation with the PCC saying, look, I'm just a little bit uncomfortable here. You know, everything we're doing in the service is trying to present God's free grace, particularly to these new all these newcomers. Yeah. And then we put a price ticket on it. And so we discussed it and we all agreed in theory that was a good idea and we shouldn't be doing it. Um, but there were two particular people on the PCC, devoted, loving, evangelical Christians, fabulous people, but they were really freaked out by this. And they said, oh, but still a lot of people put money in the plates and the income of the church will go down and we won't be able to pay the bills. And so I said, well, that's a fair, that's a fair response. Um, but the Bible really is quite clear on this. Why don't we pray about it? Why don't we trust God and review it in six months? And if, the, if we've got ourselves a real financial crisis because of this decision and God hasn't topped the money up, as it were, then we'll review it. And they said, OK, so we did that. You know what I'm going to say. Six months later, we did the review 
without the collection plate being passed in any shape or form, the giving had gone up significantly. Wow. And I just think that's one example of yes. getting the Bible and God's clear direction up front and central. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, George, coming back to you uh, as the author of Reforming Church, How God is at Work in Revitalization Ministry by George Crowder. Um, covenant seems to be a theme um, that you've woven through the book in various places. Covenant, a biblical idea. Um, tell us a bit about that. Why have you included that? Um, and why is that? Did it suggest itself as such an important theme to to put into the book? Um, first of all, my own theological commitments uh, come into that a lot. I've been very inspired by covenant theology, uh, by um, the way that the Bible is a story of a people of the word uh, with Christ at the center of that story. Uh, that our relationship with God is based on his word. Uh, and as a God reveals his word, he reveals himself and he reveals the basis on which we relate to him. So it's a covenant relationship. Uh, and the way covenant theology is a biblical theology uh, helps us to connect so well with systematic topics, the, the person of God, the person of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, it, those, uh, and, and the doctrine of the church. Uh, so I, I'm personally very inspired by covenant theology. It's not the easiest accessed uh, sort of biblical theology system, although I think we need to work on and we have been working hard at that, haven't we, Lee, at Church Society to make that more accessible. Um, but so that my own personal commitment, theological commitments uh, come into it. Uh, and then the, I guess, the foundations and formalities of the Church of England, that um, a, ch a Church of England parish church, uh, it might be out of shape, but just because of the way the services and the formularies and the liturgy is uh, a church of England parish church is covenant shaped mm. and you can get it back into shape. Uh, if you uh, follow the 39 articles and you administer the sacraments faithfully, preach the word. And if you, I mean, I've had several series explaining various bits of liturgies to say, this is what you're actually saying and believing when you say the creed or the Lord's mm. prayer. And Good. that has really helped us to see who we are. Uh, so to harness what we have, our heritage in the Church of England, ends up being uh, harnessing the, the rich covenant ecclesiology uh, that, that um, equips us as disciples to live in community as disciples, to be bonded together by God's word and rooted in God's word as we, uh, as we hold out the gospel to our community. And on a practical note, there's a little appendix at the end um, about covenant as well. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, well, I, it's a tool, a, a useful tool uh, um, that uh, actually exists within the Church of England, uh, that it was written by two archbishops back in the, was it the 60s or the 70s. Uh, that is a short summary of the duties of church membership or something like that the duties of church membership yes That's it. A very and, uh, short um kind of enumeration of the main things that church members uh should be involved in yes so i found that handy i mean i, I reference it back to what richard baxter did with uh the, his in his because he he was a good church revitalizer back in his time uh, in the 17th he, century <laughs> yeah and uh and he would use a church covenant 
to help people realize what what their what their duties were when they become a member of the church. Again, it's not to be legalistic and say, like, like Tony says, you know, you know, you know, pay your money and you need to do this, this, tick, tick, tick. It's just to show what it means. Uh, so I don't want to overemphasize it, but I want to say that it's a very useful tool uh, for when people come to the Lord's Supper and when they say you're, you know, you're, you're remembering what Jesus has done for you, committing to the fellowship that you're in, and you're looking forward to uh, the, 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 the glory to come. Uh, and reflecting and saying sorry for your sins. Um, if you sign this covenant, that's a, a helpful way of looking at, are, are you are you fulfilling your duties as, as church members? This is what it means. Um, so it's a helpful thing for that. Helpful thing to hand out when you uh, renew the electoral roll to say, uh, well, you know, if you're going to be on electoral roll, this, might, this is what it means to be. Um, when I first started using it, it seemed quite innocuous that one of the, sentences it was a uh, biblical view of marriage ah. <laughs> just there uh, 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 it says that and and isn't that interesting you and didn't that was, add that that's in the original anglican no, no, that was it's in the original language i mean there's, uh, there's things like a commitment to attend church uh, regularly uh, mm. uh, lots of lots of just ordinary things i also mm. add in the you know that we believe in the positional creeds uh, yeah. richard baxter used to make people make their mark on a on, a, on an athanasian creed <laughs> uh, wonderful so it's it's a tool uh, yeah. but and it's not necessary it's just a, a a useful thing i did use and um it may not be the right thing to use in other contexts but it, it yeah. emphasizes that that we are bounded together in god's covenant in christ uh, and there's we, there's uh, also another appendix in this book so the two two appendices um at the end there's also um a short piece by paul darlington um called evangelical ministry in a non-evangelical church so what what is that appendix george and why have you added it to your book it was once a, a church society uh, booklet yeah paul many years wrote, ago that paul wrote because he a long time before me uh, was called into this ministry and decided to write up his experiences and that booklet um, was an influential uh, booklet in my own ministry and in others ministry i think in, in thinking it through um so I, I asked paul to do the prologue as well because he he, he kind of inspired me in, in lots of ways into this ministry and it was a it seemed like a lovely idea to add what he'd written in, in an appendix um, wonderful yeah yeah excellent so um just to, to finish up now then tony tell us briefly how we can get involved in norm the network of revitalization ministries if we want to or we want to find out more about norm what can we do well i mean the easiest thing is just to go to the church society website church society one word small letters dot org dot uk dot uk is no it just dot no, org, just .org. We're in the org. UK, but it's churchsociety.org. Yeah, thank you. I go there, and there's a there's a link through to the the norm um, uh, norm page, and there you can click a button to sign up. And what that does is it puts you on our little norm database, um, and you will then get uh, information about the webinars as they come up and how to book those. You'll get um, a copy of the bi-monthly newsletter, which George has been producing uh, for some months now. Um, there's the opportunity if you're a minister, if you're a clergy uh, a minister in one of these parishes, you can also join the WhatsApp group, which is a group of ministers, as I said earlier, for discussing problems or joys or sorrows or prayer needs or whatever. 
Um, and um, in fact, even this Christmas, I got a fantastic Christmas all-age service video I found through these guys just sharing oh, resources. So that's useful. good. You can do all of that. And if you want to, um, if you want to talk about finding a mentor, if you're a vicar of a, a norm parish, then contact me. My I'm just Tony at churchsociety.org um, on email. Um, and so you can do all of that from the website. But um, if you if you start with websites and can't find your way around, just send an email to Tony at churchsociety.org. Fantastic. And if you want a copy of Reforming Church, How God is at Work in Revitalization Ministry by George Crowder, you can also find that on the Church Society website at a very good price, uh, £6 uh, launch price. Uh, it is also available in Kindle formats from Amazon, and we can also do you some digital copies too if you want to get those from the Church Society website. You should get it, of course. Because as the Bishop of Islington, Rick Thorpe, says on the back of the book, it is raw, real and honest. Um, and as the Bishop of Ebbsfleet says, George's book is honest and realistic, wonderfully interweaving deep theology with lived experience and is full of practical wisdom to inspire people to take up the challenge of revitalization ministry. So thank you to George, the author of this wonderful book, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very and much. Thanks to Tony, our regional director in the South. Please join us again next time on the Church Society podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you are able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm -hmm.